Thank you for joining us. God created our physical bodies in His own image, perfectly formed and adaptable to life on earth. Then came sin, and though we didn't deserve it, our loving God created spiritual bodies redeemable by the shed blood of His only begotten Son and available to us when we freely submit to His will. At the point of conversion, we become members of the family of God. In other words, we embody the anatomy of the Lord's church. Listen closely with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander leads us on this edifying spiritual journey. Father, help me to preach in the power of your spirit. I need you now. I can't preach without you. Forgive my sins and my transgressions and the sins of your people. Give us ears of learning, of hearing in the spirit of God what you would have us to know. Speak now, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of God today? It is so wonderful. It's, it's okay. Give God a hand clap of praise. It is so wonderful to be in the house of God. Uh, we're going to continue in that great passage found in Acts chapter 4, verse 31 is our text. We're going to continue from there and just get your pen and paper ready for documentation as God has a word for all of us this morning. Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And I want to preach again from the subject, the power of a praying church. The power of a praying church. I hope you participated in the prayer watch the uh, 14-hour prayer watch this past Wednesday where the whole entirety of Maranatha was given over to prayer uh, in your particular homes, uh, going over the prayer prompters that we gave you so that we could petition God over the concerns of our family, our church, and our nation to the glory of God. If the things that's happening before our eyes don't move us to pray, then I wonder what will move us to pray. Uh, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The power of a praying church. Why must the church give priority to prayer? God says for us to pray. The word of God says for us to pray. We see prayer in the Old Testament. We see prayer all the way through the New Testament. And even today, we ought to be a praying people to the glory of God. If we're not praying, we are most spiritually uh, negligent indeed. Uh, why must the church give priority to prayer? Well, we give priority to prayer because prayer enlightens our mind spiritually. Uh, it, it, it opens our minds to the word of God, the things of God. Prayer uh, illuminates our mind. Prayer instructs our mind. We can follow the instructions that our Lord has mandated from his word we are able to uh, discern and dissect and glean uh, from the word of God through the instructions uh, of the word. Prayer gives spiritual insights, lift the insights up right from the pages of Holy Scripture. We get spiritual insights from the word of God. Prayer gives us the ability to comprehend God's word. 
You know, there are things in the Bible we won't understand unless we are praying. And prayer gives us the ability to comprehend the precious word of God. Prayer changes our behavior. It changes how, it changes how we think, how, how we behave, and what we say, and how we say what we say. Prayer releases anxiety. It removes the worry, calms us down, gives us a spirit of tranquility and serenity. Prayer moves fear. As you watch things on television unfold before your eyes and see things all around us, you will get fretful if you're not living in a spirit of prayer. You know what prayer does? It enables us to behave righteously in a right way before the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't act foolish. We don't join in on anything. We don't just do something because everybody else is doing it. We have the mind of Christ, the words of Christ. And we need to be found uh, having good behavior, a right behavior uh, before a holy and just God. Prayer reveals the truth about ourselves. When we are praying, God will show us insights into our personal lives uh, that we haven't seen before. And God wants us to deal with them. You know what prayer does? It prepares us for spiritual warfare. The day you get saved, the day that you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the war is on. Uh, before you were saved, you just you, you only had the old Adamic nature with the proclivity and bent on sin. But once you got born again, you were imported with a new nature. You became a new creation in Christ. And then there was an inner war within you against the flesh and the Holy Spirit. And then there's, there's a war raging outside of you in the world against Satan and his demons, against believers and God's holy angel. Uh, there's a, a war at hand. And sadly, many believers don't even realize that the war is on. You know why we need to be given over to prayer? It's because prayer revives us. Prayer revives us. You know, a revival is a spiritual awakening. God's people needs a spiritual awakening. Prayer makes us alive. Revival is to make us alive. Revival brings about spiritual restoration. It restores us spiritually. You know what revival does? It ignites fire and passion in believers. A revival fires us up. We're not just dragging in our faith. Uh, we're not just uh, struggling and just trying. Everything that's sacred and God tells us to do, we find it difficult to do it. That's a sign that you've lost your fire and your passion. Uh, but revival ignites the fire and the passion in believers. Many believers, even in this pandemic, they've become dry. They become dull and they become lukewarm. And if you're not careful, this pandemic will cause you to regress spiritually if you don't stay if you don't stay spiritually attuned to God, whether you are in person worshiping or whether you are at home worshiping. If you're not doing the things to maintain the fire of God in your heart, you will become dry. It doesn't take long to, to become spiritually dry. It doesn't take long to become spiritually dull. And it doesn't take long to become spiritually lukewarm and you cannot be used of God uh, when you're dry, dull, and lukewarm. With that being said, then I'll ask a poignant question. 
Why is the fire and passion for Christ waning in so many saints during this pandemic? Why is the fire and passion for Christ waning in so many saints during this pandemic? I mean, this pandemic ought to cause us to get closer to God. I mean, this, I, right now, I want to be closer to God. I mean, I want to know God. I want to be on fire for God. I want to be, I, I want to see God do something through me, to me, with me, whether I'm at home or whether I'm in the church. Uh, I have responsibility before God. And even if I'm at home, it doesn't dismiss me from my spiritual responsibilities to the glory of God. Why is the fire and passion for Christ waning in so many saints during this pandemic? Well, let me give you some reasons so that we can stay on fire for God. You you know what, what puts out the fire and passion? Fear and worry will diminish your passion and enthusiasm for Christ. Fear. If you're living in fear and if you're looking at spiking numbers and reports and charts and up and down, the media is all over the place. And if you just live in that stuff and you just let it consume you, you will become worried and fretful and it will diminish your passion and your enthusiasm uh, for Christ. You're just looking at the stuff on social media. You're talking about it. You're gazing at it. You're, you're, you're turning it over and over in your minds uh, to your own spiritual detriment. And you, your fire, the fire of God begins to wane in your life. Or why is the fire and passion for Christ waning in so many saints? Because of complacency, apathy, and stagnancy, which will keep believers from being productive and possessing zeal for Christ. If you become complacent and apathetic and stagnant, your productivity uh, will regress and you'll no longer have Uh, the zeal, the passion, the fire of God in your soul. You can be saved in Christ on your way to heaven, but you're going to heaven spiritually dry and dull and drab. If you're worshiping God online at home for whatever reason, that don't mean you ought to lose your passion because you're at home. Or if you are in-person worshiping, uh, it doesn't mean you ought to lose your fire because you are in-person worshiping. There are people who come to church uh, and then they leave just like they came and their lives aren't any better. And that's a sure sign that the zeal and the passion is gone. Uh, Many believers are so fixated on politics that it results in their being misdirected, frustrated, and angry. And when you're misdirected, you'll lose your passion. When you're misdirected, you'll become rather more frustrated. And when you're misdirected, you'll become more angry. And angry people uh, don't have passion. A perpetual state of anger will cause you to lose your passion and your zeal. And politics will do that. Some people have more politics in them than they do Uh, the word of God. They have such an allegiance to a political party that that political party sometimes let them down, sometimes this, sometimes they hate the opposing party so much until they don't know what to do with themselves. You just bring up politics and they just start getting nervous and they they look like they have withdrawal symptoms or something. They go crazy. 
Uh, many believers are so fixated on politics. Politics will take away your fire, your zeal, and lead you into misdirection. Uh, it, it has its place, but politics is not the answer for the world in which we live. Calm down. Uh, God is in control. You can sit there and relate and say, why are you so calm? Because God's on the throne. He already knows who's going to be in charge. And and, who, and whoever's in charge, uh, I tell you what, uh, God is on the throne in my life because that person sure won't be on the throne. <laughs> Amen. And if you think any man can fix if you, you think any man can fix this country, you're fooling yourself. This country will not be fixed without divine intervention from God. Did you just hear what I said? I said a big statement in the Holy Spirit. This country will not be fixed without divine intervention from Christ. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. And we need to talk spiritually, not politically. Why is the fire or passion for Christ waning in so many saints during this pandemic? Because many saints immerse themselves in the media and do not keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. They just live. They know every little thing that comes up in the cell phone, all the pop ups and the stuff just keep coming, keep coming. And you just keep looking and keep looking. And you get for before you know you lost an hour. There's two hours gone, three hours gone. And then all of a sudden, you all out of order, bent out of shape. You all disturbed. You you're not at yourself. You come snappy. You you can't think straight. You become confused. Hebrews twelve two a says, "Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and you will be all right. There will be a spiritual calmness and tranquility that will come over you that the world." can't understand. And matter of fact, you can't even explain yourself. You, but, but that Holy Spirit, he, he'll just regulate you spiritually and uh, he'll just give you peace and tranquility like no one else can. Why is the fire and passion for Christ waning in so many saints? Because of, the, of a deficiency of prayer and the word. A deficiency of prayer and the word will hinder revival and passion in the believer's life. A deficiency of prayer and word will hinder revival and passion in the believer's life. That's the passage I want want you to look at. Recently, I've been going back in the Old Testament because we need to look at the Old Testament, and I've been using a lot of Old Testament illustrations lest you get away from the Old Testament because it's just as inspired as the New Testament. It is the word of the living God. In Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 2, is a, is a passage that just fires me up. Is a passage that I wish you can just turn there. And that's why you need to bring a Bible so you can highlight and write and annotate and all these things. But in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 2, you'll see something profound there. The word of God says, Thus saith the Lord, who's speaking? The Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house. He's talking to Jeremiah. And speak to all the cities of Judah in the Lord's house, all the cities in Judah. (laughs) What do you mean? Which come to worship in the Lord's house. So you have all these kinds of people in, in the Lord's house from various places. And God's telling Jeremiah to seize your God moment. Don't miss your opportunity. 
And so many pastors are missing their opportunity to preach and to speak truth in a culture that's confused. You get it? Thus saith the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house. All look at look at this. All the words that I command you to speak to them. Everything I say, you say it. Now that's a tall order. Some pastors can't say everything the Lord says because there are repercussions by influential people. Or they're scared they, their salary might get cut. Or they're afraid of the uh, outcome of negative consequences and all of that. I'd rather obey God and put, be put out than to, than to have everybody liking me. And God says, I'm going to get you and I'm going to get you good, Rand Earl Draper Sr. All the words that I command you, all. In other words, God said, don't you leave out a word I say. Don't you leave out a word I say. Don't you know who's speaking? I'm speaking. God. Speak to them. That's why I speak to you. And look, look what it said. Now, hold on to this now. Do not diminish a word. Underline that. Do not diminish a word. Don't you let it speak for itself. Don't diminish it. Don't be afraid of it. Folk going to get mad at you. They're not going to like what you say. But you realize you're speaking on my behalf. You're the messenger. I'm God. I speak through you to the people. And when I speak through you to the people, their blood is not on your hands when you do what I tell you to do. You know why I preach so hard? Because I'm not getting your whipping. I'm not getting your whipping. No, 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 no. You won't be able to stand up and say when you stand before God, uh, uh, Pastor Draper didn't tell me this. He said, yes, he did. He's going to give you the day, the time, the hour. So you, you without excuse. He says, do not diminish a word. The Lord holds pastors responsible for speaking the whole counsel of God to the congregation they shepherd. I say it again. The Lord holds pastors responsible for speaking the whole counsel of God to the congregations they shepherd. Because within the congregation is a diverse people. Just like here in the passage is a diverse people. Because you say, where is that in the passage? It, it, it says, speak to all the cities of, Ju- of Judah, which have come to worship me. It was diversity in the house of God. That's why we can't afford to have racism, racial prejudice, or any like, anything like that in the church. Because God's going to bring people here from the east, west, north, and south. They come here from different cities. They, they come here from shirts and Universal City and Lotus and San Antonio and New Braunfels and San Marcos and Austin. They come from Floresville. They come, they come from Seguin and on and on and on. They come from different cities. They come and they land right here together. Praise be God. Black, white, interracial couples, uh, brown, Asians, whatever they are, they have come and we all have come to hear a word from God. In other words, there's diversity. How do you, what do you mean? What kind of diversity? Break that down. Okay. There are saved people in the house and unsaved people in the house. 
there are believers and unbelievers. There are people who are hot for God in the house, and there are people who are cold for God in the house. You have those who are close to God in the house and those who are estranged from God in the house. You have those who are in spiritual regression right here in this house. We have visitors and believers from different cities who have come to worship the Lord in this house, in this place. The scripture also says, do not diminish a word. When God says, do not diminish a word, he is saying, do not add or take anything from what God has said. Don't add to it. Don't take nothing from it. Preach it straight. Cut it straight. We have to be praying to do that because some truth are hard truth. Some truth is so hard, the people can't digest it. They leave mad. I hope they leave mad so they can deal with themselves. They can't change feeling good about themselves. We are to say exactly what God tells us to say, and not to do so is spiritual negligence and a misrepresentation of God before his people which will incur the chastening hand of almighty God. Y'all, this is some heavy stuff. Did you hear this? Look at Hosea chapter four, verse six, Hosea four, six. When there's a diminishing of prayer and the word, uh, then there's a waning of of passion and zeal and fire for, for God. Hosea, the little tiny book, Hosea four, six. It, it also says, my people, some people put their hopes in Trump, Biden, uh, whoever. Some people may be upset because others didn't make it. Some, some people upset because they don't, they, don't, they don't have good choices and on, on and on and on it goes. But I'm going to tell you something. God is not waiting on the president. God is not waiting on the Senate, the Congress. You know, half, most of the time they can't agree on nothing anyhow. Uh, God is not waiting on celebrities. God is not waiting on movie stars. God is not waiting on rap stars. God's not waiting on any, anybody you think highly of, icons and all of these things. He says, my people, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's right in the church. A lack of knowledge. Preachers and teachers, you teach Sunday school, you teach men's ministry, you pastor churches, you give leadership in any parachurch ministry. You are held responsible to God for what you teach God's people. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because look, because you have rejected knowledge I also will reject you from being priests. There are many in the pulpit will be rejected by God. And there are many in the pew and in chairs will be rejected by God. Why? Because you have forgotten the law of God. Underline that. Because you have forgotten The law of God. I also will forget your children. 
Now, y'all, that's deep. You forget God, I'll, not only will I forget you, I forget your children. It's going to be hard when I forget them. There are spiritual implications to what you do as parents. And what you do as parents have repercussions as it relates to your children. Beloved, when there is a famine and ignorance of the word of God among pastors and congregants, we are unable to pass the word of God down to future generations when we as parents are ignorant and lack knowledge of the word of God. How are you going to pass down what you don't know? How are you going to pass it down uh, to future your posterity, your future generations, which leaves your children spiritually deficient and results in their rebelling against God because they have no word in them. All they have is basketball, football, basketball, football, baseball, volleyball, uh, tennis, and and everything else is in them. But when they encounter the, the troubles of this world, that ball can't deliver them. Some of you get your Bibles, your bees mixed up. The ball is not the Bible. The Bible is the Bible. And that's why so many of us today have more substance because our parents brought us to church. We were raised up in the church. Now we have an unchurched generation because the parents are unchurched. They could care less about the church. They don't even think the church is essential. Let us commit ourselves foremost to all aspects of the anatomy of the Lord's church. As we grow step by step in the word of God, steadfastly apply his commandments to our lives and obediently walk by faith and not by sight until the day of his appearing, we will experience the blessings of God. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.